close to playing it. Good morning. Good morning to you. I'm Shane Satterfield from Sifted, and this is Good Morning Gaming for Monday, January 24th. It comes bright and early every weekday to our patrons who pledge at patreon.com sifted, and it's delayed a couple days for everyone else. If you like our content, we also have a separate podcast feed for our flagship show, Game Face, that you can find by searching your favorite podcast service. You'll find the podcast versions of the rest of our content in the same feed you found this. So, about The Elder Scrolls VI. It's kind of hard to complain about not getting The Elder Scrolls from Bethesda when you know that Starfield is coming, as the trailer says, on November 11th, 2022. Here's the thing, though. Elder Scrolls VI was teased way before Starfield was ever officially announced. So you'd think that it would probably be the next in line. Or at the very least, it would be coming hot on the heels of Starfield. However, that does not appear to be the case. For a Bethesda game to be in pre-production means that we're probably looking at four, five years until we actually play it. I wasn't a math major, but that puts us at about 2026 or 2027 to play the next Elder Scrolls. Now, obviously you need to keep in mind that Bethesda was just purchased by Microsoft. And with that deal comes some perks, some fringe benefits. And that is having the resources of Microsoft Game Studios there to help you with your engine, to help you with any audio issues you may be having, to help you with any networking issues you may be having. There's a lot more support now for Bethesda's games than there were before. So, okay. Maybe that cuts a year and a half off the development time. You're still staring at a long time before you're going to get to play Elder Scrolls Six, which brings up the question. How early is too early to announce a video game. And why why would Bethesda announce this game so early? Now, I do remember back 2016, 2017, it had been a long time since Skyrim had been released and fans were starting to get antsy. You have to also remember that back then Bethesda was doing huge press conferences at E3. And generally, it needed something for the stage for those big press conferences. People were asking questions. People were wondering what's going on with the game. Is the game even in development? And so, in some ways, Bethesda's hand was forced a little bit. It probably felt it needed to let its fans know that the game was in development. And at the time, I don't think anyone assumed that we'd be sitting here in January of 2022 and we still wouldn't have a hint of when we'd actually be playing it. So, surely, GameStop opened up pre-orders for that game on the day after it was announced by Bethesda. Surely, thousands and thousands of people have pre-ordered the game already, sight unseen, because it's Bethesda, 
because it's the Elder Scrolls. So you have GameStop sitting on top of maybe a million dollars of pre-order money that it can just use to invest or otherwise generate income or revenue off of that money and never pay the pre-order folks a cent. Well, which pre-orders, I don't even know why people do them anymore. That's a whole other story. But And maybe we'll tackle that someday on Good Morning Gaming. But to me, to announce a game that you know when you announce it probably was barely even a glint in the eye of Todd Howard. He probably had concepts and stuff scribbled down on the back of a napkin maybe... Maybe he knew where the story was going, he knew what the plot was going to be, but my guess is he probably didn't know much more than that. And so, is Bethesda trolling fans? Is it trolling the press? Or is it more likely that it's covering its ass? <laughs> At least back then. And maybe, in hindsight now, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. maybe it was a ploy to get acquired. Maybe it felt like it needed to put out there that its biggest franchise is in production. It's like you're using your favorite fishing lure when you go to the lake and try to try to catch some fish. You look in that tackle box, you got five or six lures in there, and there's that one that always seems to catch the fish. And for Bethesda, that lure is the Elder Scrolls. So... Was it a ploy to get acquired? Possibly. Um, if you watch Pactor Factor, which is a popular show on Sifted.net, hosted by financial analyst Michael Pactor, if you listen to that show, he'll tell you a story about being at an event in San Francisco and Bethesda coming up to him and trying to get him to be the middleman between Bethesda and some other publishers they were hoping to be acquired by. So, Bethesda has had, let's just say, it's been on standing on the side of the lake, on the side of the pond for a while now, tossing that line out into the water. And maybe it realized, if it wanted to catch that big fish, it needed to use that Elder Scrolls lore. So, how does it hurt to announce these games early, if it does at all? It's a bigger deal for platform holders, because people buy their console, their platform, based upon the games that they believe they'll be getting exclusive for that platform. Now, Bethesda, at the time, was a third-party publisher, and 99% sure The Elder Scrolls Six was not going to be exclusive to one platform. So it's hard to begrudge it in that way. And in fact, and maybe when it's all said and done... There's really no detriment to announcing games years and years earlier. I know, as a games journalist and a podcaster, this long development cycle has afforded us to talk about The Elder Scrolls Six at least five, six times in the last three or four years. <laughs> That's how big the franchise is. So it's hard for me to complain because it's given us content for several years now at this point. Perhaps if there's anyone who's getting the raw end of the stick on stuff like this, it's the fans. Because when you announce something, maybe you go pre-order it, as I said earlier, 
at the very least, you're very excited. And in some cases, with a franchise like The Elder Scrolls, you're bursting at the seams with anticipation and excitement. And maybe you need that 60 bucks that you dropped on The Elder Scrolls pre-order that's just been sitting there and probably will continue to sit there. But really, I feel like it's, it's an emotional cheating on the part of publishers to announce games so early and then leave their fans hanging for years and years and years. And the irony is that just prior to them announcing The Elder Scrolls Six, Bethesda had become really good at announcing a game and then having it in our hands within six, eight, nine months. Remember Fallout 4? Announced that game, I believe at E3, and it was out in the fall. Bethesda was one of the least egregious offenders of this in the past. But times change, companies change, and if in fact it was part of Bethesda's strategy to try and find a suitor to purchase the studio, the publisher, it worked. (laughs) So you look at the cost-benefit analysis there, and you say, okay, well, we have some angry fans, but we were just purchased by Microsoft. And so as we often say on Game Face and elsewhere in the content on Sifted, all you can do is bet with your money. (laughs) And I would also say, in the future, maybe don't pre-order games. I can't remember the last time I went to buy a game and it was sold out. Well, that's not true. Ring Fit Adventure, I had some problems finding that for Switch. But for the most part, most games, because so many people buy digitally anymore, for most games you can walk right into a store on launch day and pick up a copy or five if you want. So pre-ordering, probably not the best idea, but again, that's a topic for another episode of Good Morning Gaming. All right, let's whip around the industry over the weekend. There are some pretty big stories, nothing too major. Usually publishers do not wait for the weekend to publish stuff unless it's bad news. (laughs) That usually comes out on a Friday. Uh, But there were some stories that broke over the weekend. Let's see. uh, Last week, Electronic Arts launched a Zombies mode in Battlefield 2042. Kind of a big deal because Battlefield 2042 has really struggled to get new content. And so DICE launches this Zombies mode. And this weekend, the mode was pulled. According to DICE, it was too easy for players to gain XP. So it decided to pull the mode. Uh, The official statement from the developer reads, quote, Hopefully we can fix it in the future and keep it in alignment with standard game progression. We've also tightened our review process to make sure this doesn't happen again. Thanks for your patience and understanding. I love how statements from companies always end with that line. Just assuming that you're understanding and that you're patient. I don't know that people who have purchased Battlefield 2042 are either at this point. It has been an extremely bumpy road for that game since launch day. Uh, The internet went crazy this weekend with conspiracy theories. Apparently anything with the numbers 1, 2, or 3 in it is a hint that full backwards compatibility is coming to PS5. Uh, PlayStation's official... Japanese Twitter account piled on and had this cryptic tweet um, that has turned some of the skeptical people like myself into believers or semi-believers. 
Maybe we'll get some sort of official announcement soon. Generally, that seems to be how Sony operates. Stuff gets leaked, and then within a week, a week and a half, uh, we get an official announcement from Sony. We'll see how that goes uh, with backwards compatibility for PlayStation 1, 2, and 3 on the PS5. Obviously, PS4 has already handled. I also question, too, just how big of a deal it is. You know, I had a PS3. I still have a PS3. The PS3 Fat. That's backwards compatible with PS2 and PS1. I think I used the backwards compatibility on that thing like a handful of times. But you have to rip it out of my cold, dead fingers. It's funny. (laughs) It's funny how attached I am to the PlayStation 3 because it's backwards compatible, even though I never use it. Anyway, we should expect some official word on that stuff very soon. Uh, As the saying goes, this is a very common saying on social media anymore. F around and find out. It's one of those phrases that is applicable in so many cases. And uh, that's exactly what a Roblox player did. Uh, A guy named Benjamin Robert Simon was an idiot. And he allegedly swatted the Roblox developer conference. He called in like a terrorist threat. They had to shut the conference down while they cleared the convention hall. It was a mess. And not only did the judge ban him from Roblox permanently, he's also been issued a $150,000 fine. And I gotta say, bravo. How else are we going to get people to stop doing this unless there are dire consequences? And in the last 18 months, there's been a couple cases where people have um, been sentenced to long prison time for it. I think in some cases, a fine like this might be even more effective. Story on Kotaku this weekend shared how Xbox Pioneer, some people call him the godfather of Xbox, Seamus Blackley, was almost fired for telling Bill Gates and Steve Ballmer that gaming is like masturbating. (laughs) His exact quote was, gaming is like masturbation. Everybody does it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Now, keep in mind, this was way back in 2001 uh, during an interview with the press and way before gaming truly went mainstream. And honestly, it may not have if Gates and Ballmer weren't able to take a joke. (laughs) And then finally, the big story really from this weekend is that a security hole was found in the PC version of Dark Souls 3 that opens a window to hackers to hack your PC. Um, Basically how it works is if you're playing online and other players raid your game, there's a possibility that skilled scammers could access your PC. This has caused From Software to instruct players to stay offline until it can find a fix. So as of right now, do not play the first three Dark Souls games on your PC because you're putting yourself at risk. But the bigger story is that players are worried that the same exploit could affect the PC version of the highly anticipated Elden Ring, which is coming out here in less than a month. As of right now, as I said, Bandai Namco says do not play online. From Software says do not play online. Both companies are looking for a fix, but time is running out. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll tackle today's boss fight. Thank you. 
Welcome to today's Boss Fight, where I tackle random topics that may or may not be related to video games. For this first episode of Good Morning Gaming, I'm going to bring something back up from Game Face 285 because a story had broke right before we started recording, and I really hadn't had enough time to kind of digest everything. And that story, one of the biggest stories of the last decade in video games, is that Microsoft, Xbox, has purchased Activision Blizzard. Activision Blizzard holds IP like Call of Duty, Diablo, StarCraft, Sekiro even, Crash Bandicoot, um, all the classic IP from the Atari 2600 days. It's a lot. Not only that, it also has seven or eight development studios under its umbrella, all of which now fall under Microsoft and Xbox's purview. Seemingly, these studios will be making exclusive games for Xbox and PC going forward, or will they? There's been some confusion over this. We recorded Game Face on Tuesday. The, the news had just broke that morning, and there had not been any official quotes provided by Microsoft or really anyone at Activision Blizzard. But we recorded the show, I came home, started rendering the show, and some of that information started coming to light. Probably the one that has provided the most consternation for fans is that Phil Spencer said that, and it was very confusing and very specific language that he used, but he essentially said that Microsoft has, quote, a desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation, unquote. Those are, those are some loaded words there, because it, it could mean two different things. It could mean that all Activision Blizzard's games are going to remain multi-platform going forward, and Call of Duty and all its other properties will keep being released on PlayStation. Or it could mean that any current Activision Blizzard games that are on PlayStation platforms will remain on those platforms and will not be removed from those platforms. There has been debate raging about this all weekend on the internet, on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, pretty much everywhere, on Reddit, on Sifted, everywhere people have been discussing this. And I hate to break it to PlayStation owners, but there is no way in hell that all Activision Blizzard games going forward are also going to appear on PlayStation consoles. Now, there's some math to be done here. Activision's games sell very well on PlayStation. In fact, Call of Duty sells far better on PlayStation than it does on Xbox. It's not even close. So... For Microsoft to pull that franchise from PlayStation platforms would mean that it's also turning its back on a lot of revenue. Seemingly. How is that made up for with Game Pass? What kind of subscriber boost are you going to need to make it worthwhile to remove those games going forward from PlayStation platforms? It's a lot. It's a lot of subscribers. Call of Duty sells roughly 20 million copies 
per year. That's across all platforms. My best guess would be 11 or 12 million on PlayStation, 7 or 8 million on Xbox, less than a million on PC. So you're basically trying to retrain people who have been buying Call of Duty on PlayStation platforms for really about a decade at this point. It's been the platform it's sold best on. So you're trying to train those people to accept that they're going to have to own an Xbox or or a gaming PC to play Call of Duty going forward. And in some cases, you're going to have to try to convince those people to sell their PlayStation to get an Xbox to play it. That's a hard sell. So there's so much wrapped up into this. And I totally realize I'm completely ignoring all the other properties in IP under the Activision Blizzard banner. But Call of Duty is really the big one. It's it's the the barometer. It's what's going to set the bar for what Xbox does with Activision Blizzard going forward. Um, do I think this year's Call of Duty will appear on PlayStation? I do. I think there's probably contracts involved. And to be fair, Phil Spencer basically said that any contracts just like with Bethesda, that any contracts that have been signed with other platforms will be honored. And I would believe that this year's Call of Duty, if there is one, there's rumors swirling that Xbox may make it every other year and change that strategy, which is crazy. But if there is one coming this year, I do believe it will launch for PlayStation. However, I also believe that this will be the last one that is released for PlayStation. I know that's a hard pill for some of you to swallow, but you don't spend $70 billion on something just to give it away to somebody else. And the strategy here is not to necessarily sell more Xbox consoles, it's to get more people to subscribe to Game Pass to have that recurring revenue. So how do you do that? If people can play the biggest, basically the biggest IP that you just purchased somewhere else, you can't. Which leads me to believe that there will be a grace period. I do believe that Probably any Activision Blizzard game that's announced right now for PlayStation will come to PlayStation. So any game like Diablo 4, Overwatch 2, any of those big games that have already been announced for PlayStation, I believe will still come to PlayStation. But once those contracts have been satisfied, all bets are off. Okay, thanks for listening to Good Morning Gaming. I appreciate everyone for listening to Good Morning Gaming. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow, but until then, make sure you seize today because there will never be another.